you got given shit along the way and you turned that shit into gold. And I want to learn how you did that. I got forced to retire from boxing with my hands. It's so easy to go down that rabbit hole of looking at negatives and I couldn't do a thing. I had these big bandages on. And you know what it's like, everybody asks you, when's your next fight? When's your next fight? When's your next fight? When you fight again, that's all you, all you bloody hear. Come on, mate, pull your head out of your ass. Fucking do this. You know, that's your motivation right there. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of Getting Back Up with me, Anthony Ogogo. This is your weekly dose of hope and inspiration. Each week I talk to a guest who's achieved something great in both their life and or career, but only after suffering massive setback and adversity. I have guests from sport, from business, people that have done great things in their life. But today I go back to what I know and that's boxing. Today I'll talk to Tony Jeffries, Tony's a very good friend of mine. And as well as that, he's an Olympic bronze medal winning boxer like myself. He won a bronze medal in Beijing in 2008. He's a former professional boxer. And like myself, Tony Jeffries had to retire from boxing at 27 years old after suffering really bad hand injuries. Now, what Tony's done in his life, he's taken something that probably should have been the worst thing to happen to him and he's turned it into the best thing to happen to him. Tony Jeffries is now a superstar in the world of boxing, recognized way more from being a, a teacher, an online boxing coach than he ever was as a professional boxer. He earns more money now as an online boxing coach than he ever did as a professional athlete. He truly is a massive, massive, massive inspiration. I think you're gonna love this podcast. Tony also, throws the questions back to me a lot. I tell a lot of my story in this podcast because like I said, our stories are unbelievably similar. I truly think you're gonna love this podcast. There are so many learning lessons from Tony and also I think it's really entertaining. So without further ado, sit back, relax, get ready for this one. Let's get stuck in. Tony Jeffries. The mighty Mackham. The Google, the legend. Ah, stop the absolute it. absolute legend. Look at this. Mate, I am so unbelievably proud to have you on the podcast. And this is going to be... I'm going to sound like a fanboy today. I really am because as we go back a long, 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 long way. Too long that I would really care to remember. Um, I've done my research for last... I, mean, I, I knew you were a mad success. I knew you've done unbelievably well. And we're going to get into all these the, these things in the next hour or so. I had no idea the YouTube, the Instagram, the social media world, I'm not that privy to. I had no idea just how much of an absolute, unbelievable success you are. So before we start, I just want to say how proud of you I am. Um, you just... You just, mate. You're just. You very much are an, an inspiration. You, you really are, and I hope you realise that. No, I mean, I, I really means a lot of us. You know, it really doesn't. But likewise, you know, I'm, I'm on a call with you now, and uh, just, just speaking to another uh, Olympic medalist. It's amazing. 
Um, you know, I was in Bangkok Airport the other day and there was some fella in front of us in the line, an older fella, and he went, oh, you, that, that the boxing guy, I've seen you. I said, oh, yeah, have you boxed before? He went, yeah, actually, he said, I competed in the Olympics. I was like, what? He went, yeah, I went to the Commonwealth Games as well for Pakistan back in 98 and 96. And then I stopped being a proper fanboy about this guy because, you know, it's very rare that even though I'm an Olympian, you're an Olympian, it's very rare to, you know, share the same company as another Olympian. So it's like, wow. Because I know, you know, how hard we worked to actually get there and achieve what we achieved just to get there and never mind getting the medal. Um, so I'm, I'm in awe of this, this fella now. He's like 55 years old and... Uh, yeah, I exchange numbers and I'm being texting them and all that. <laughs> so yeah, mate. Anyway, so I'm very proud of you and I'm proud, proud to be on this show with you, mate. Thank you, mate. Thank you. And that just shows much of a nice guy you are. We're going to talk all about this, mate. There's so much in your life to to dive into. There's so much the athletic side, the professional side, the business side, the personal side. But before we do. I'm going to ask you one simple question, and I'll ask you a lot of questions today, but the first question I'm going to ask you, and the most important question I'm going to ask you, and I'd like you to, to answer very authentically, would you, as you will, how the bloody hell are you, mate? <laughs> I am absolutely fantastic, mate. I'm living in Thailand. I'm a full-time content creator. I can't believe I'm saying that. Teaching people boxing education, and yeah, I'm... I'm, I'm like living around the world. I haven't got a home now. We're traveling with me family and life, life couldn't, couldn't be better, mate. It really couldn't. And I'm really blessed to be in this situation. Yeah. Can't believe it. How are you? <laughs> I'm good, mate. This isn't about me. This isn't about me. No, this isn't, I'm, I'm, I'm good. All the better for talking to you. And I'm so proud to hear that. And um, when I created my podcast, when I had the idea about doing this podcast, I was in the midst of my my injury hell, and for me, it very much was hell. And I had I wanted to create a catalogue of inspiring stories that that people can be inspired by. And the podcast is called Getting Back Up because I talk to people with wonderful stories like yourself that have achieved great things in their lives, but only have to suffer a massive setback and adversity. And I wanted to create a catalogue where I could press play and listen to inspiring stories to kind of keep me going because at the, at the time I was trying to get back in the boxing ring after suffering my eye injury but I wasn't ready to make it back then so I was still in the midst of my of my hurt and of my anguish but when I when I got around to doing it I wanted two boxers on the podcast in my first list of 10 people because I didn't want this to be a boxing podcast this is a very much a life podcast and the two boxers I wrote on the list were Tyson Fury he went through his his struggles and then came back to become world heavyweight champion, unbelievably expiring. And you, Jaffa, because because what you've done, you, you literally are what this podcast is all about: getting back up, like getting getting handed to you shit cards, getting given shit and turning that shit into gold. And that's what you've done. And for those people that don't know who you are and why we're talking, can you let, let them know who you are and, and some of the things that we're going to be talking about today? Oh, man, yeah. Um, so like yourself, an Olympic uh, medalist boxer from the 2008 Games. Uh, but then, yeah, I got forced to retire due to hand injuries. And, you know, if there's anyone in the world that can relate to, to this, being at that level and then getting forced to retire, it's you. Um, 
How many pro fights did you have, mate? Uh, Twelve. Twelve, yeah. So I had ten, and yeah, then you like like yourself. I've done this since I was very young. I was ten years old. I went all the way through. Retired when I was twenty-seven, and then it's like now what? Like you see, how do you get back up from this? Because now you, you, something you've done since you were a little kid, and you never look really past it and, and after it. Uh, so yeah, then I'm, I'm end up moving to Los Angeles, opened the gym, uh, opened another gym, started an education program, got on some TV shows, did some Levi's modeling campaigns, which was crazy. <laughs> which we're gonna come on to. We're gonna come on. No, we're gonna come on to it. We're gonna come on to it. <laughs> Uh, then uh, yeah then in 2020 my gyms got closed down due to COVID and uh, rather than sitting at home twiddling my thumbs I went to the gym and I spent every hour I could uh, making content and trying to build a brand on, on YouTube in particular and that's when my YouTube t- took off and now today it's like July 20, 25th we're recording this I've got like 1.7 million subscribers on my main YouTube channel. I want to do this, mate. I want to do this. I've, I've made a whole little section. So, <laughs> you are, as I said in the intro, you are a YouTube, a social media sensation, an absolute sensation. So, I was doing my research on you because obviously we boxed with each other almost 20 years ago, back on the squad in the days. I know, I know. So, Reason why you're an inspiration to me, and I mean that wholeheartedly. Your, uh, right, our lives, uh, mate. I do this all the time. I go off on different tangents, and I've got a bit of ADHD. So please, please forgive me. But our lives, mate, it's unbelievable. When I have guests on this podcast, I often say to them, "Ah, oh, like we share this story, or we share that story." And I think when you're successful in life, you have parallels of other people that are successful. Um, and success could be winning a medal at the Olympic Games, but it could also be raising a family as a, as a single parent. So there's also, successful people have parallels. Mate, yours and mine, our lives and careers, is scary how similar they are. Like, scary. And I've been doing the research for the last few days. Scary. We've got so many reflective parallels it's ridiculous and we'll talk about it along the way I don't want to kind of give the story away along the way but honestly mate when I say these things it's uh, it's crazy one thing we're not I'm not a YouTube sensation like you so for how big you are if people don't know about you for the non-boxer people that don't know about you you mate if you added up all your followers from social media from YouTube you've got a greater Followership than population of Croatia, Moldova, Mongolia, Uruguay, Puerto Rico, Armenia, Lithuania, Kosovo, Trinidad and Tobago, and Jamaica. The Tony Jeffries wow. um, <laughs> fan base. The fan base of Tony Jeffries would be, if it was a country, the 128th most populated country in the world. You've currently. You've currently got a legion of disciples, a legion of followers of over 4 million, 4 million and 85,000 people and 4 million, 85,400 people. And what I think is absolutely hilarious, I was on your YouTube channel yesterday, you've got Tony Jeffries Spanish, you've got Tony Jeffries Mandarin, you've got Tony Jeffries like, Hindi, it's ridiculous, you are a sensation around the world. 
Yeah, I didn't know I had that many followers. That's great. I'll start putting that in there. I'll start sending this clip to uh, potential sponsors now. Like, look, this is this is this is what you're getting involved with. Uh, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, it, it is. I've, I've went like like yourself. Like, you know, if I'm going to be in, I'm going to be in. Like, you know, I want to I want to be two feet in. And like I was in boxing, and like you were in boxing, you've got to give it your all and, and focus and, and dedicate your life to it. And I've kind of done that. And when you talk about the parallels with me and you, you're 100% right. I remember when I think you were about, you might have been 19 years old or 20 years old, I'm a bit older than you, and you had a car with and your four years. You're, you're, so what you're, it you're, you're four years and one Olympic cycle older than me. Right, yeah. So, yeah, so you I've, always, I've always been looking at you. You've, you've always been like, as I said, like in, in, in boxing and in, in life and in, in business, you've always been that person that I'm, I'm looking at. You're paving the way for people like me, and for that I want to thank you. Oh, nice one, mate. Yeah, I remember you had that car with World Champion on the side, right? When you were young, you had a sponsored car with your name on the side. <laughs> remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah. 17. Yeah, yeah, yeah Suzuki yeah, Swift, 2006, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, I love it. And, you know, what I teach people now, because I've got a, a boxing certification course, I'm talking about building brand, and what we've got to do as athletes, as boxers, back then, is, like, you've got to build your name as a brand because, you know, it's like Jay-Z says, I'm not a businessman, I'm a business man. Meaning you are your own business. And, yeah, so I, I love that, what you've done. And I was like, I, was the, I don't know if you know, but I was the first boxer to get a website and I had my website done and I was promoting myself all the time kind of like you were doing and I've always had a been creative and wanting to get press when I can get press and build a name whenever I can build my name and get out there as much as I can like a bit of a media hall and it's kind of it's kind of paid off it's kind of paid off now because I especially coming back from the Olympics as you know you're, you know you're hot stuff you're in the limelight all the time and I've never let that limelight kind of disappear even though I retired for a while I always try to keep my name out there and keep busy and put me and that's kind of helped me to to now even though people are not following me on YouTube because I'm an Olympian or they, or they don't know me because I'm an Olympian they know me because of YouTube and then they find that out like I'm walking around the streets of Thailand now I'm getting recognised getting pictures with people every single day and it's it's crazy to me and like Coming back from Beijing, it wasn't it wasn't like this. It might have been like that in Sunland, but in Thailand or when I've just been in Japan or in Hawaii, it's it's happening everywhere because of the online presence that I've got now. And like I said, it's just by putting the work into this, like I put into boxing. I want to deep dive into your life, and I want to. I would like to start in the boxing career because that's what you did. Boxing was your first love, right? Yeah. Yeah, especially with your first love. Um, you started at ten years old. You mentioned, uh, mate. You had such a storied amateur and professional career. Let's let's dig into some of the some of the highlights. Do you remember your first schoolboy title? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Where where was it? Who did you beat? What was the score? It was it was Barnsley Metrodome. Same same as me. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. I stopped him in the first round. I couldn't believe it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was, I was like, had big man strength for a. I was a thirteen-year-old. I was punching hard. So, yeah. And then it was the, the same the next year. I stopped the guy in the final there for the schoolboy title. So, uh, yeah. I, I remember. I remember. Uh, I remember stuff like that uh, well. But 
I, I, I forget a lot of stuff as well. I don't know if you're the same. You know, I forget a lot, lot of stuff. Yeah, and that's why I'm. Another thing I might talk about on this is I'm big into brain health and trying to, you know, get our brains as healthy as they can. Because we've been punched in the face thousands of times. How many fights did you have, Paul? Amateur and professional. So, mate, goodness me, I've got you know it's like I got punched in the head so many times I don't even remember when we were when we were kids and young men we'd go to a different tournament every single week and you'd have two fights three fights four fights um, come back and go to Blumen Poland and then go to Kazakhstan Azerbaijan and Germany so man, I, I generally lost count hundreds like I know you've said you've had a hundred and six hundred and six yeah 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 so from that, I've done the maths and I've been punched in the face like 40,000 times with all the training and the build-up and all that, which is ridiculous. <laughs> so you'll, you'll be the same. I mean, I've heard you say that numerous times anyway, but for those who haven't heard Tony Jeffries talk before, 40,000 times punched in the head from being 10 years old sparring to retiring at 27. I think you and I, there's like life... Life works out best for those who make the best of the way life works out. And the way you look at things, if you change the way you look at things and things you look at change, and you and I had our careers stolen from us as we were entering the peak of our, of our athletic powers. However, there's one way to look at it. We were saved 10 years of getting punched in the head. We saved ourselves 10 more years of getting bludgeoned by big, strong, horrible, smelly, sweaty boxers that punch hard and are trying to kill. So, mate, we're going to get we're gonna get into this in a, a bit down the road, but I want to focus on your boxing career because although you are a sensation now with what you're doing, and I'm so happy for you for that, um, it's, the, it's the boxing career that made you and the work ethic that you have now that's made you become a success was learn from the gym, the press-ups, the punching, the sparring, the running. Um, one of the things we are so similar, at, we both had major success at major tournaments as kids, as cadets. Um, you won the European Championships as a kid, right? Yeah, yeah. And you won the Worlds, right? I won the world. What can you remember? Some of those those fights and how you felt and being the champ, being the best ever boxer <laughs> in Europe. I was 16. I was put on this program, and then my first tournament I boxed for England a few times was the European Championships, uh, the Cadet Championships, and I went to them. And then I won the gold medal there. I, I boxed three times. I stopped all three opponents, which which was I didn't even realize how big it was then when I come back I was like this was the first I was the first English boxer to win a European title in like 20 something year and that just showed the government that the funding was working even though we just got on it so then they'd put more money into it through my success as well uh, not not they would have continued to do it anyway but I got told that that helped with the with the funding uh, and then yeah I and then I, next thing I'm a European champion I, I couldn't I couldn't bloody believe it and I kind of start getting paid a little bit from England it was like £500 every three months but when you're a 16 year old at school it was amazing getting 500 quid you know and then the funding really started I think when, when I was like 17, 18 and you start getting on I think it was £500 a month or something like that and then it just snowballed from there so, wait, so the Olympics let's talk about the Olympics because it's, it's the greatest spectacle in the in the world the, the the granddaddy of all granddaddies in terms of sport and entertainment 
Your Olympic experience, how fondly do you remember it? The qualification, the getting there, when you finally got, when you finally qualified and you could say you were an Olympian and get the, the rings tattooed on your body. What was that feeling like? It was the best because before, before uh, my 2008, in the previous eight years, there was only three boxers ever went to the Olympics. In previous eight years, three boxers from Great Britain, which was Audley Harrison, Courtney Fry, and Amir Khan. So just to, to, to think you're going to get there, you know, like deep down, it was like, I, I didn't really believe that I would have got there. So to go through them eight years, train, that eight years training program of all the fights, surgeries, and all other stuff that come with it, and then uh, finally, you know, get there to, to qualify for the Olympics, so that, was, that was up there with one of the best feelings in my life. It really was, because uh, as well, I, I boxed in Chicago, I boxed their American team captain, Christopher Downs, uh, with the arena shouting, USA, USA. So uh, that was the one before the qualifier. But yeah, the qualifier was amazing. How was your qualifying experience? Mate, my qualifying experience, it was, it was, it was, it was, <sighs> that week we went to Trabs on. I had, um, like you may had major injury problems. Uh, at the Worlds the year before, the first qualifier, I, I dislocated my shoulder in the fight against the Russian uh, for half five, one arm, beat him 12, one, the world number one, beat him, tw- beat him 12, 11, sorry, by one point. I went and I, I, I fell down in round two. He swung me down, I fell down. And as I fell down, my shoulder popped out, out of the socket, and I stood up, I stood up in phases. I kind of stood up. And my arm was on the floor still, and I had to kind of push it back in the socket, and uh, so I, I subblocked it. It popped out and went back in, but it was jangling in my in my shoulder socket. And I had to fight the rest of the fight with one arm, jab, hook, hold on to him, shove him, jab, hook, hold on to him, shove him. European champion, world number one. He was he was he was mustered. And at the end of the fight, it was a really hard fight. And at the end of the fight, they called us into the into the middle, and the winner in the red corner of Gogo. It was the biggest fight in my life. Nobody really thought I was going to beat him. And I went to celebrate, and my shoulder came out. I couldn't even celebrate the biggest win of my life. And then that was, I had to win three fights to qualify. Then my next fight, I had to fight a Brazilian, a Southpaw. And I just beat the world number two. The Brazilian was world number 10. So I beat the world number one. The Brazilian was world number number nine. He's in my section of the draw. I had the world number one and nine. And I had to beat two seeded boxes to qualify. And then um, he was a southpaw. My backhand was fucked. I, I, I couldn't throw the backhand, and then and he beat me. Then I had to come home. I flew home from Azerbaijan. I had surgery the very next day. I had to do a 12-month rehab in four months. Um, rushed back to go for the second qualifier, and I qualified. In one of my fights against the Georgian, I was six points down going into the last round, and I'd overturned this six points. I have no idea how I did it, mate. So in the previous... So from Beijing... And this isn't about me. This is very much about you, and your story is way more interesting than mine. But and I want to get back onto you as soon as possible. But to finish this story, so I was boxing this Georgian, uh, Jabba Kishnevili. He was his, his name was, and um, I was six points down going into the last round to to qualify for Olympic Games, and he um, Lee Pullen slapped Lee Pullen, the nicest, calmest boxing coach in the world would talk to me like a gentleman. He slapped me after round two. What the fuck are you doing? The Olympics, you're going you're gonna to blow it. And then um, 
I just lost my head. I lost my head and and I had three minutes, 180 seconds to keep my Olympic journey alive, my dream alive. And from Beijing to London, the four-year Olympic cycle, from your cycle to my cycle, in elite international boxing, not one person had ever overturned a three-point deficit in the last round, in the Europeans, in the, in, in the world, in the Olympics. Four points is unimaginable. Five points is impossible. I was six points down. And I, and the boxing had gone out the window. It's just a case of who wants it more. I worked so hard in that last, in that last round. I overturned a six, I won on a count back. Don't know how I did it. True story, in that last round, I gave myself exercise-induced asthma. I worked so fucking hard that my poor little chest capillary just exploded. Um, anyway... I qualified, and the weird thing for me was, the weird thing for me was the really strange experience for me because, like you said, the expectations had changed, and and your cycle, like your lot, um, the, the Gail, Frankie Gavin, all, all those boys, you did change it for us because, like you said, Audley Harrison went to the Olympic Games and he was the one, uh, him and Courtney Fry. Then Amir Khan went, he was the one person, the 17-year-old went. We weren't expected to do anything, really, at that point. And then we got the money, then your lot went through, started doing better. So now the mindset had changed. We were like, oh, Jaffa's won a bronze medal. The gals won a gold medal. David Price has won a bronze medal. We can do this. It's now more achievable for us. So again, I, I keep saying it, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not licking your ass because you're on my podcast. I'm, I'm saying thank you to you because you did help blaze a trail for, for us. And the guys on the squad now, I'm sure they're going to go and win a bag full of medals in Paris next year. I hope they have the respect that I have for you, for the people that have led, led the way. Because without them, we don't, we don't do it. Anyway, but someone I qualified, um, it was a strange feeling. I thought I was going to be doing backflips. I thought I was going to be doing cartwheels. I'm now an Olympian. Don't get me wrong, it was an amazing feeling. But I was like, Okay, I'm here now where I should have been anyway last year before my shoulder got bad. So, like, I smiled. It was almost more relief. And then it was like, now back to business. Now let's go and get a medal. So it was a strange feeling. Um, anyway, wow. mate, back to you. That's crazy. No, that, that's, that's crazy uh, how, how it was just like, oh, yeah, I've qualified now. Uh, you know, because just, just, just how amazing my feeling was. Uh, and that's unbelievable because I remember on... When you said about being behind, I remember, I can't remember the actual numbers, the stats, but it was one of those, the, the, someone on the team, I think it was called, was he called Richard, who used to watch the videos and analyse and all that? He, uh, what was the guy called on the, on the team who used to watch the videos and all that? Was it Robert, Robert Gibson? Rob, yeah, Rob Gibson, yeah. Yeah, it was Rob. They found out that um, there was like something like... Uh, a five percent chance of winning the fight if you're if you're down like three points going to the last round or something. That was what I was. So hearing you were down six points, like you've lost that fight, but then you've somehow pulled that out of the out of the bag and battered that guy. That that's a great round to watch of boxing. Just watching you just going crazy. So respect for that, mate. That's amazing. So so hard to do. So hard to do. So well done, mate. Thank you, mate. Thank you. But um, so you qualified. You're finally there. You're finally achieving your dream after years of boxing as a kid, schoolboys, junior ABAs, traveling the world on the on, on the England the GB team for eight years. The Olympic Games. When you get there, what were your expectations? Um, 
well, I'd already been competing in the Commonwealth Games, so I kind of knew what a village environment was like. But this was like... And that's important, isn't it? That's really important, having that multi-game. Because obviously, as boxers, we go around the world and we go to boxing competitions and boxing tournaments. Even like the Junior Olympics was a boxing tournament. When you first go to a multi-event competition, mate, everything's free. <laughs> like, <laughs> isn't it crazy? It's amazing, yeah. It's amazing. Proper eye-opener. So I guess because I had that experience from the Commonwealth Games, I kind of it was kind of like that, but like now it's on steroids and much much bigger. Um, so, but but when I went to the Olympics, the tournament before I boxed the the Lithuanian who was a he was a world bronze medalist, southpaw, and he hit me with a left hand to the body. I ended up winning the fight, but he cracked me rib. So in the Olympics before me fights, I was getting anaesthetic injected into me rib before each fight so it would numb it <laughs> which was which was which was crazy uh, but anyway to go there and then come back with the with the medal I was I was over the moon with that I was over the moon how did you feel after winning your after winning your bronze medal because you lose but you still win the medal yeah so again me and another thing I didn't realise we both were getting this is so weird to me we were both getting injections into our ribs for cracked ribs for the Olympic Games shut up mate mate I swear on my life I um, so my mum uh, again this isn't my podcast this is really about you but so my mum uh, had a brain aneurysm just before the Olympic Games um, five weeks before and I my Olympic Games were this is what I'm struggling with, and this is why I want to talk to you and, and generally learn from people like yourself because I'm, I struggle to let things go. And and I was very bitter about the Olympic Games for a long time. My mum, and she's, she's, she's my hero, and thank God I'm, I'm, she's still alive today, which is an amazing thing. Uh, she had a really bad brain aneurysm before the Olympics. So for a month, I didn't do anything. I sat by her bedside, stroked her head, held her hand as she was in a coma, um, we had one week of training before the Olympics. We went to Sheffield, and I'm my mum's next of kin, so my phone's in my pocket the whole time. I haven't thrown a punch. I haven't gone for a run. haven't done a sit-up. The Olympic Games had gone from being the most important thing in my life to, I mean, I'd all but, I'd all but pulled out. And then my family, my, my, my then-girlfriend, her now-wife, um, another thing we have in common, it convinced me to do the Olympic Games. I went to Sheffield, had one week of training, left. I sparred Fred Evans. We had a family, I don't know if you had this, but we had a family and friends day. And it was, um, we got to invite our family and friends to come watch us train for that one last, one last sparring day. And all my family is in Adam Brooks with my mum. I'm by myself, my phone's in my pocket, I haven't thrown a punch in a month. I come out, I throw a sloppy jab at the very beginning. Fred Evans, traveller, all his dad and brothers around the ring, smacking the, smacking the ring like it's a, like it's a, a punch <laughs> yeah. up at Appleby. And, yeah, and he slips my jab, throws a white hook to the body, <laughs> and he breaks my rib. And he cracks my rib, and it's still dislocated now. He still pokes out. When I do my talks, I get people up to kind of feel my rib here. Uh, I don't know if you can see it or not. I probably can't see it, but my... I mean, I've I've got um, one exactly the same. It pokes out, then, mine does. Yeah, <laughs> so it's, and I sat on the ring apron and I was breathing. If you've had a cracked rib, like you get every time you breathe, like you're getting stabbed in the tummy, it's horrible. Um, and as you know, and I sat there, my shoulder was dislocated. It would come out in a fight later on as a pro because I'd never done the rehab properly, so I had to rush it. I had tears in both my Achilles tendons, which would keep me out of the ring for a couple of years again as a pro. My rib was broken and. 
the worst thing is the world. I thought, my mum's going to die. I'm never going to see her again. And that is my Olympics, mate. So when I won the medal, it was a medal of... I th- and my second five Olympics, I beat the world champion, the, the Ukrainian, the world number one, the new world number one. And I beat him in the second fight. And I thought, now I'm going to win the gold medal. I've got to win the gold My mum's going to survive. I'm going to win the gold medal. I'm going to become the biggest star in the country. And I didn't. Because by the time I got to the semi-final, I was just, I had nothing, emotionally, physically drained. And I just, as, as you know, it's like such an intense cauldron of of an environment. So it, was t- it took me eight years, and the Olympics were 11 years ago now. It took me eight years to look at myself and be proud of what I did rather than bitter than what I didn't do. And this is why I'm so pressed, impressed with you because, as I mentioned at the very top, you got given shit along the way and you turned that shit into gold. And I want to learn how you did that because I want to let go of all the things. That's why I do this podcast, really. I'll talk to people that inspire right. me so I can learn from them to let go of the shit and move forwards and, and, and have what is, is mine. Yeah. What you said, you said at the beginning as well, like you've got 100 shit and you turned it into gold. See, I, I think I got 100 gold or bronze, <laughs> but I think I got 100 gold and like that's like a, 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 a huge a huge thing it's like wow I've done that it's amazing and and I and I try to take the the positives of things like I'm so so happy that I got forced to retire from boxing with my hands I'm so happy and like when I when I, I lost in the Commonwealth Games uh, quarterfinals I was absolutely devastated but if I won gold I probably would have turned pro and then I probably wouldn't have went to the Olympics and then I probably wouldn't have done whatever else I've done so I kind of I kind of think like that you know I don't really believe everything that happens for a reason I'm not, I'm not like saying that but you know I've been handed gold you've been handed gold you're an Olympic medalist you're an Olympian like I'm sure you might you've done the talks before we, we had someone come in and talk about how how amazing it is just to be an Olympian uh, when we were before the games and like uh and it really is like you, we're part of this very exclusive club that not many people are part of. So we've been dealt gold, mate. We've been, and now I'm in I'm in Thailand. I'm I didn't I went and done a, a, a Muay Thai class today. I'm absolutely useless, just just for a laugh. But uh, I post a picture on it, the video on Instagram, and I'm looking there and I'm seeing these fighters who are the training people. These guys are working hard. Hard. They've got fucking no money. They're grafting. They're grafting. And people on the streets are grafting. Like, all day, every day. I've just, I've just been, I've been, I've been working on my laptop getting a foot massage. It's like, cost like $7, right? This woman, she's about 60 years old. She's grafting all day. Probably been doing this since she was 20 for 40 years. And so for me to think that I've been Dealt anything but gold from the position that I'm in, you know, it's when you put yourself in that perspective, it's like, yeah, all right, all right, like, I'll give it. But that being said, sometimes I do feel like shit, sometimes I feel, do feel down, and I think it's normal, and I do think, look at the negative side of, of life. But I've, I've been working a lot for years now on looking at the, at the positives rather than the negatives, because it's so easy to get go down that rabbit hole of looking at negatives and uh, yeah so so now 
I try to think of the, the goodness rather than the, the the shit, you know. So if you can try and switch that around and think, fucking hell, look, I'm here. You're still young. Uh, you've still got. What are you? Thirty five now? Thirty six? Thirty four? You're thirty four. You're still young. You got the the world at your foot, your feet. I didn't start. Listen, this mate. What am I? I'm thirty eight. I started YouTube when I was uh, thirty five, right? So, and and now I started usually when I was thirty five. Now, like I mentioned, I, I'm I'm more well known now for YouTube than I ever was for boxing. I'm making more money now than I was when I was a professional. I come back from the Olympic Games and fighting live on Sky Sports from doing this stuff. And this didn't start until I was thirty five years old, you know. So it's like you're still young. Uh, I'm still young now. I still didn't know what I'll be doing in five years' time. So when you think about it like that, it's like, bloody hell. All right. You know? Mm. Mate, these last five minutes, I'm going to package it. I'm genuinely going to do this. Um, I mean, I'm not, I can't work computers. (laughs) I'm not going to be the person to do it, but I'm going to get these last five minutes packaged and play this on repeat over and over again because that is my problem. I, I look at what, I'll, and I'm getting better now, but this this conversation has helped cement this for me. I used to look at what I thought was mine, what I thought I deserved, and I used to look at like what I didn't have rather than the things that what I, then I do have. Um, and yeah, man, I should look at look at what I've got rather than what I haven't got. Yes, I haven't got the the belt around my waist. Annie Joshua's got the money. He's got all the the fame. Tyson Fury's got it. Was all the things that I wanted to get from my boxing career. But goodness me, I'm I'm here now. I'm doing okay. I've got some businesses going on in the background. I'm talking to you about our about our, our lives as 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 young men. I mean, when you start looking at the world in a good way, good things happen to you. And that's mate, there's no listen, you've got this this amazing perspective and mindset and this positive approach to things plus the work ethic that you developed in your in your boxing career of course you're gonna have success and it's unbelievable to hear that you've amassed 1.77 million subscribers on youtube just on your english one never mind your spanish one or your hindi one or your mandarin one in three years that's so incredibly inspiring mate it really is all that comes down to is like you know being focused and and dedicating and like I dedicated my life not just on on like if you think about let's say it's just a YouTube for example it's not just getting your phone creating a video and uploading it to YouTube and, and then everything will happen from there no and I've, I've researched I watch YouTube videos educating myself all the time on what makes a video good whether it's a video whether it's a podcast video or a boxing education video or a cooking video or a news video what makes it good and learning about like um, like retention and how to hook people in and how to keep them on the video till the end and how to get a good thumbnail and create it and dedicating myself to learning and there's not one thing in the world that you can't learn for free on YouTube you can learn anything you want so if you want to market yourself better to be a, a bigger name in wrestling there's stuff out there with your creative mind that you could do to do that if you want to learn how to edit videos learn how to edit graphics learn how to blow up on social media it's all there you know it's really inspiring hearing you say that why do more people not do it uh, that's what I'm I'm 
blown away by like especially boxers because I've said this before lots of people like I can't understand it because the work ethic that went in to have success in boxing, even boxers that's never achieved like what you or I have, like even just a professional boxer who's trying to, who's a prospect, the work that they put in is ridiculous. Like they're really dedicated with the diet, with the training, uh, with the lifestyle. If they can put that work ethic into something else, it's only got to go one direction. Right, so it makes me think: Are are people being lazy in not doing that when it's there, or do they not want it enough? But I want it. I wanted boxing. I want this. So that's why. That's why I think it's doing well. Some of our similarities, mate. As I mentioned a couple of already, we both won a major tournament as a kid, Europeans, Worlds. We both uh, went to the Olympics and won a medal at 23 years old. We both turned pro, had injury-ravaged careers. We were both active pros for less than three years. We both had our last fight to 27 years old. We both married our high school sweethearts. We both had injections in our ribs before the Olympic Games. And we were both forced to, to pivot and change. And there's way more, by the way. Both got sisters, both this, both that. We are both forced to pivot and change. And that's what this podcast is about. It's about getting knocked down, being a boxing ring, i.e. Tony Bell, you getting back up and, and winning a world title against against Makubu. He got knocked down, got back up, knocked the guy out in the next round. He got back up and he, he became world champ. Or it's metaphorically yourself, myself, getting knocked down and getting our dreams snatched away from us and having the resilience, determination, the drive to get back up after achieving so much stuff in our boxing careers and to go again to get the life that we wanted. So I want to focus on the get him back up side of things now. I'm not too fussed about the pro career because, like, when I think of Tony or Jeff, I don't think of... A pro boxer, similar to me. People when think of people think of injuries and then and whatever. Is, is there anything you want to talk about in in your pro career? No, I didn't like it. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't like it. I prefer the yeah. amateurs. What because, do you not like about it? Uh, it was just unprofessional. I got ripped off with some money off off my promoter, and uh, I liked I liked being on TV and what that kind of brought and getting paid lots of money, which was great, but. Uh, I, I didn't like it. And for you, you I know you boxed three minute rounds, right? Where I boxed two minute rounds, so it was it was a big transition with that. Uh, but no, I, I, I didn't I didn't like it. I just didn't like the, the business side of it. It was I couldn't trust people and stuff. It's a it's a dirty sport, and I don't mean that in terms of just promoters being like shady or, or whatever it's dirty in the terms of when we used to go away to box for Great Britain we'd go to Lithuania we'd go to these different places and although we used to go to some shit places it was always clean we got brand new head guards we got gloves it was, it was it was very well I mean it was Olympic it was Olympic Games the World Championships the Commonwealth Games and then you go and box in a in a sports centre in, in in God knows where and you kind of like it's just all a bit dirty and murky, wasn't it? Like wearing like used gloves or, you know, I know people, they used to, I know people, they used to train in their gloves all week on the bags, hit, their, hit the bags with their, with their fight gloves, box them in, so it's basically knuckle on leather and wear those gloves on fight night. And I'm thinking, how is this, how is this a thing? This is professional boxing. It's the most unprofessional sport that. in the world. 
I wore, <laughs> I, wore, I wore the same gloves for three fights and I trained in them as well. Like Teddy's 10 ounce gloves. I was like, I'm getting away with this. Like, why not? It was just so, I'm like, this is wrong. I did it though, but it's like, it's wrong. It's, it's wrong, mate. And especially when, well, like, I'm, I'm the east side, I guess, in fighting these journeymen, you know? Uh, I remember my first pair of boxing gloves I wore in, 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 in my me, me pro debut. They were like wet and soggy and that blood on off the person who just fought in them. And I'm like, ah, just got back from the Olympics and next time wearing these things, some BBE, like horrible things where you could feel your knuckle right in them. Yeah, horrible, horrible. Anyway, let's move on from the pros. I'm not a fan. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I hear there. Um, I've got reasons as well why I'm a bit bitter, but like you said, I'm, I'm, I'm learning. Promoter, mate. Who was your promoter? I joined Golden Boy. So, mate, my whole my whole life, I joined Golden Richard Schaefer was at the London 2012 Olympic Games, and Schaefer was there, front row, and he watched all the, all the fights. He came to me after a couple of the fights. He was like, mate, listen, like, you know, it's... We'll be in touch. After the games, I got a phone call from Oscar De La Hoya. Imagine being 23 years old. Just got a medal Olympic wow. Games. My mum's my mum's kind of like in and out of hospital, in hospital, in a coma, in and out of consciousness from a coma. Oscar De La Hoya is ringing me, sending me emails, and I'm so with my mum and my family now, I'm kind of half ghost in Oscar De La Hoya. Um, long story short, Richard came over to meet us. We had a meeting. Richard Schaefer basically wanted to do what Eddie Hearn did with Matchroom USA. He wanted to make Golden Boy UK 10 years before um, Matchroom did the USA thing. So even before BT Sport was a thing, Richard Schaefer showed me the emails, him liaising with the people that became BT Sport. He was going to basically create Golden Boy UK. I was going to be the face of it after the Olympic Games. He wanted one or two other Olympians um, and, and obviously the roster to grow. But it was going to be my brand. And I was going to join Golden Boy. Um, I signed with Golden Boy. Schaefer, really. Oscar was obviously the, the, the stardust. Richard was the businessman. Um, within the first six months, I guess Richard and Oscar had a really big argument, and Oscar fired him. Oscar sacked him. So now I'm that. So now I'm that football. And Oscar was was good and got. He, he was good as gold with me. He was he was great. A real lovely bloke. Great to work with. But I'm that footballer. Signed by the manager. The manager was desperate to sign me. Manager's been sacked. New gaffer's in. Doesn't really fancy me. Or he didn't not fancy me. Oscar didn't want to do the UK thing. He wanted to stay in. He wasn't, he wasn't that business savvy. He wanted to focus on the US. And he said, if you come to the US, then um, yeah, we'll promote you. I'd, my whole fan base was in the UK. I didn't want to go to the US. So I was in this weird thing where I was boxed on matchroom shows, I'd boxed on a few Sourland shows, I'd get an injury, and all this time things were happening. And I was thinking, eventually, like, when I get back from the shoulder injury, like, things are going to be sorted. They weren't. But I'd done my Achilles. Well, the other way around, sorry. And it was, it was just really shit, mate. It was just really shit, weird, murky world where... And again, like, like with, with injuries on the GB squad, you go to Dr. Lusmore, Lusmore, my knuckle sore. Scan, bosh, 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 treatment, yeah, you're back boxing with, in Poland yeah. three weeks later. On the, on, on, as a pro, you do it all yourself. It's this, it's this. I remember I, I, I had a double Achilles surgery. You know, the time I was living in East Anglia, I had to get, I had to go into London to get my stitches changed and I, had, I, I couldn't walk. 
but everyone was at work and I wasn't earning enough money to pay people to come and take me to London for the day. I took the train from Lowestoft to, to London. Both my kiddies operated on. I couldn't bend my legs. I was walking like a... I don't know what I was... I don't know, I don't know how I did it. I, 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 had, I wasn't earning that good money because I was so early in my career. It was just shit. It was just a really shit career. When it could have been really good, it was just really rubbish. However... Mate, have, you, have you said publicly how much you've been paid for your boxing? Uh, uh, I don't know if I have actually. Oh, what I would say is I've said. You sign on for you. So sign on for you. Sign on for you was alright. It wasn't great, but it was alright. It was okay. I got forty grand. Did you get more than me? Uh, a bit more. And then for my fights, I got twelve thousand pound when I fought in anywhere in the UK. I got twenty thousand pound if I fought in Sunderland, which was supposed to be three times a year. So I sold a ticket there. I got 10 grand for a six-rounder, um, 15 grand for an eight-rounder, and 20 grand for a 10-rounder. And my 12-round competition fights were... Uh, my 12-round championship fights would have been negotiated. However, the fight I did in my eye, and I, I had 12 fights in... in well, I was a pro for six years, an active pro for two and a half years. The fight I did in my eye, I took, I took a pay cut to get the fight. £17,000. Um, I, I left the ring with a shattered eye socket. I'm now 78% blind in my left eye, visually impaired. I've got no proprioception. I knock things over all the time. I walk into things. Um, if Yeah, I, 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 I can't drive. When I sit still and I don't move, my eyes aren't too bad. When I'm moving, that's when things struggle. So I can, I can read a book, okay. I can drive, okay. Uh, rest becoming a wrestler was really difficult for me to learn a whole new different move set, uh, body movement. Wow. It was just a nightmare. Seventeen. I spent. I've had ten operations on my eyes now after the the injury. Um, I spent a hundred, and my, my last surgery was uh, two months ago. But here out in in Atlanta, that was three and a half grand, and I got it really cheap because the guy heard my story and was like, "Mate, I ain't gonna charge you thirty grand." I'm going to charge you my surgical fee. And he waived his fee and he needs to waive his fee. I spent £103,000, just 103 grand, just on surgeries alone on my eye that never worked. Wow. Uh, because somebody misdiagnosed me, had the wrong surgery performed on me. My whole thing. So with me, the reason why I haven't been so easy... I wish my last sounds really it sounds really 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 bad you know, and and uh, I'm really torn by saying this do I say it or not but I don't I don't I wish but my life would have been much easier had I got punched in the eye on that on that fight and my eyeball fell out and now I'm 100% blind in my left eye but the difficult thing for me was there was hope there but the wrong thing was done and then I got damaged more then I had a certain, then I had the injection in my eye which damaged the nerve which now leads to the, the visual impairment and my eye doesn't move properly but there's glimmers little chinks of light that I was going after and over three years I had nine surgeries in three years uh, ten in, in seven years and if my eye just fell out of my eyeball of, of my head then now I've got no choice but to move on and I can look back on it it is what it is but I've got all this bitterness wrapped up inside me about how things went down and that's why I've struggled to let go because it could have been so great but it wasn't with yourself your hands just crumbled when you hit because you punched so hard so you had no choice but to leave it alone um, and almost like 
the decision was taken out of your hands and it was what it was with me it could have been so great but it but it wasn't but um anyway honestly mate as i've said in this in this conversation alone already i've learned that yes my eye isn't great but i'm so lucky that i still can drive I'm lucky that I still can read a book. I still can wrestle. Wrestling was very hard for me with my, my visual impairment, but I can still do it. And if you didn't know, you wouldn't really know I had a problem because I'm very good at what I do and I've been able to work and and adapt it. Um, man, I, I want to, this is, I want to last 15, 10, 15 minutes. I want to talk about you and, and, and your massive successes. Um, you had the hands. You were told you couldn't fight anymore. What did that do to you? Yeah, so with me, with me, my hand, I still thought I was going to be able to box and continue boxing. Uh, but by this time, I'd moved to America when I was waiting for my hands to recover. And I start teaching some boxing to people. And uh, when my hand didn't get better, I kind of went straight into that. But when it first happened, I always think about that as the darkest, the darkest time in my life when I had surgery on my hand, on both hands actually, and I couldn't do a thing. I had these big bandages on. And you know what it's like, everybody asks you, when's your next fight? When's your next fight? When's your next fight? When you fight again? That's all you, all you bloody hear. How's your hands? How's your hands? How? And uh, so f- what I did, mate, and I guess this might be something as well. Yeah, I think you've done it as well, though. But like, I took myself out of that environment when I went to Los Angeles. And then no one knew about me boxing career. No one knew about me hands. And it was great. And no one was recognising the street uh, like they did in Sunderland and, like, pulling us up and asking us about what's happening. Because when people just start telling you about this, it's just never never out of your head. But now I'm out the way of that in Los Angeles and I've just got a new goal, which is teaching people boxing for fitness and starting a boot camp and all of that. That's kind of how, how I dealt with it, you know? Yeah. So... Great for your mental health, being able to go away and switch off and, and get a whole new frame of mind. And, mate, the thing is, when you've got um, both your hands are in the cast, you can't even have a wanker, mate, to relax, can you? <laughs> well, I'm my wife's a nurse, mate, and a pretty one of that, so I'm good, mate. She helps to wipe me off and all that. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky bastard. Um, yeah. On that one, on, on on your wife, you mentioned it a couple of times now, and like you said, you um, <laughs> this was a segue, not the wanking thing. That was just that just came to me, walking, seeing you walking around the two big mummy hands. <laughs> I, um, how have you two made it work through so much change? Um, Tony Jeffries, the boxer, to Tony Jeffries, the entrepreneur, with your hand injuries and the up, ups and downs and setbacks. How have you two managed to kind of stay? so strong and so close um yeah how have you done yeah. it she's very selfless where i'm more selfish <laughs> you know and she's opposite of me where i'm like a million mile an hour i change your mind all the time and i'm i'm more of a country i'm more controlling where she's the opposite she's very laid back and she's a, a sweetheart and she she doesn't uh Susan has got me on me all the time, but it's we've, we've just got a, a great dynamic. You know, we've been with each other for, for a, a long time now, and uh, yeah, it works. That person, mate, I just done. I just <laughs> you know that TV show. Have you seen the uh, celebrity SAS Who Dares Wins? 
Have you seen that? Um, you t- no, but you mentioned something you just did that, right? Yeah. Yeah, I just did it in New Zealand. And basically they take 15 celebrities and they drop you into in a different place in the world. And you've got to do special forces selection. And basically, I can't say too much because it's not going to air until early next year. But basically, I went there. And I quite like the me I am now. I mean, I'm not the I'm not the boxer me, but I'm I, I quite like me. But I miss that. I, I miss I miss pushing myself to the limit. I miss that. Like, no when you're boxing, you got you, you got to be all oh, fuck you sometimes, right? You got to like yeah. you got to go into a boxing match with willing to knock somebody out and render them unconscious and be cool with it and be emotionless yeah. from it. And I, I miss that the animal side. I miss getting that out on a daily basis, on a weekly, monthly basis when I used to box. And I did this TV show, and they always say to you, "Why do you do it?" And because uh, the, the money is terrible, money's not—it's not—it's not a good financial. You're not going to get a lot of money for it, but it's a good platform. But I did it because I wanted to see if I still had that—had that—that—that that, that inside me that comes out sometimes. Um, he came out in day two. I mean, he came out like in a really bad way. He came out and some, <laughs> which was great. Then the rest of the time, I had to kind of learn to control it. And the point I'm making is that the boxer animal side of me doesn't really serve me in life anymore because I don't do what I used to do. I don't get to expel it on a daily basis. So I'm now learning about the whole new side of myself where I'm okay being the me I am now. I like being the me I am now. It's just I've got to be okay with putting that to bed and, and having this conversation with you is being okay and putting putting what didn't happen to bed and being happy with what I've got rather than unhappy by what I didn't get. Wait, well, you, you mentioned that. You said, I wish I taught you th- three, three, uh, a few years ago. Did I, I'm sure I tweeted you after this went wrong, when, after you start getting injured, saying, let's chat. Did I not tweet her? Saying, I'm sure I did. You did, mate. Yeah. You did. But I wasn't, I was, you did, you did reach out to me, actually. I was off, um, I was off social media. I would. I, right. I didn't. I. I was in the midst of my depression. My head was in the sand. I didn't want to. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I was horrible. And as as I mentioned a minute ago, I'm surprised my wife put up with me for so long. I was in a bad mood. I was depressed. Everything. Everything was their fault. Basically, shit happened to me. And rather than address it like a grown up, it's everybody else's fault. I was pointing the finger. You. 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 Surgeon did this, and don't get me wrong, I had some really, really, really shit luck that you couldn't make up. But I was pointing the finger all the time. And when you point a finger at somebody, you got three fingers pointed back at you. And I refuse to believe any of it was my fault. I refuse to believe that, like, I'm in a situation because of the way I look at things or the way I treat certain things. When really looking back now, I should have looked at where I was and said, Yeah, this is this is shit where I'm at. But ultimately, this is my life. And I've got to figure things out if I'm going to have the life I want to have. Um, I didn't do that. And I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready to accept help. I wasn't ready to look at myself. But I'm, I've been ready for the last year. And that's what I'm doing. I'm working on myself. And, you know, things happen for a reason. And, you know, it's up to you to find out what that reason is, I believe. Um, but I'm in, I'm, I'm, with all the stuff going on, I'm in a pretty decent place. And, yeah, on this journey of discovery and learning about other successful people like yourself. Yeah. And as well, mate, you, you're still young. Like, you don't know what you're going to be doing. We're, st- we're still young and we're in a world right now where we can do with the internet where, you know, anything's possible. But what I, what I would say, because... 
you know, you've always got this, you've always got that Olympic medal, which is no one else has really got them. You've, you, there's always opportunities that will come your way, but you like try and put yourself out there more to try and get these opportunities. Because to someone, you're—I mean, to a lot of people, you're like a huge, huge deal who they can't believe. Like, wow, Danny, you know, you know. But to you, you probably like by you don't feel that way because you're you're feeling like down. I could have done this. I could have done that. But no, you're like you're like a hero to so many people. You really are. And once you understand that, and it's like, wow, I, I really am. I've I've. I've went against the odds and done... I mean, just listening to your story now, you weren't supposed to win these fights that you've won and, and got to where you've got to, but you've bloody done it. So that tells me that you can do anything you want. Coming back from a fight six points down, in a, like, like that tells me that you are a hard bastard and you can do whatever the fuck you want to do in your life. You just need to get your mind right. Just think about Lee Pullen slapping you across the fucking face and saying, come on, mate, Pull your head out of your ass. Fucking do this. You know, that's your motivation right there. And I, you can do anything you want, mate. You really, really can. You're a fucking beast, mate. You really can. And yeah, but you're, you're too nice. Um, I feel like... I feel like I've just got the best therapy session of my life. <laughs> I feel this is meant to be about you and your life no, and your man. career. And you've just... You've just... You've just wrapped your big strong Sunderland arms around me and give me a big <laughs> hug which I really appreciate so thank you so no, much we, we, we speaking now like we, we we haven't we never connected for a few years but now we're back on connection we're talking like not for any other reason than we just well on social media together but like now we've got numbers and I'm here for you any advice anything I can, I can do you know just send me a voice note um and same if I, if, I, if I ever need you for anything or whatever you know I know you'll be there for me as well because it goes both ways so it's what we do we're, we're, we're brothers you know yeah we lived a very similar life and I thought I respect anybody whether you're you know good bad or indifferent anybody kind of who, who steps in the boxing ring and has the willingness to get punched in the head and to go to the gym and put the work in and to, like us travel the world at a higher level I respect anybody because it shows you've got something and I respect that no matter who you are and you know I, I respect that Jaffa so there's I've got you have no idea how much I've got. I've got so much that I want to talk to you about. Um, I just don't think it's the right time today. I think I think we've had such a beautiful conversation of talking about like alpha men talking about struggles, ups, downs, yeah. you know, pivoting. There's so much I want to talk to you about, which I'm going to mention now, but we're going to wrap up in a second because I'd love if if you want to, to have you back on at some yeah, point in a very Future, I want to talk yeah. about brain health. Yeah, you mentioned earlier you've been punching head 40,000 times, yeah, which is crazy. I guarantee because our lives are the same, I'll probably be punching the head 40,000 times per punch, yeah. exactly the same. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, I've got things in my memory. Um, I've recently been diagnosed with having ADHD, which, which is the reason one of my, my brain goes off like this, and wasn't always like that. And I'm now fascinated by the link between uh, mental health issues of ADHD, depression, and and repetitive uh, brain trauma. It fascinates me because I'm 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 living it. Uh, memory issues, 
um, potential anger problems. I mentioned SAS who does wins recently. So there's loads I want to talk about your gym, box and burn, how you pivoted. We never really got to the having to go again, but you went again and you went so hard and you created what you've created is not just an amazing life for you and your wife and your family, but you've created a place for people to go and train and to become better versions of themselves, which is also something I want to do with my with my own fitness program. So, Matt, I'd love to have you back at some point in the real distant near future and just talk about more of your successes. Because I feel like you're such a nice guy. You've put a lot of the shine on me. And this is all about you. I want this to be about you. So next time you come on, mate, let's all talk about you, if that's okay. No, let's talk about you, mate. I mean, your, your story is as good as anyone's, and your your inspiration is as much as as much as the next as much as anyone. You know, you're a big inspiration. You've like gone against the odds. You're the man at that, you know. So yeah, I'd love to come back on. We'll do a part two, maybe a part three. I think I feel like we could just talk all day, mate. Yeah, mate. You're an absolute legend. You really are one of the nicest blokes in boxing. Thank you so much, nice Tony Jeffries. Right, let's. I'll I'll speak to Zen, and let's get a part two in the diary pretty soon. I'm sure everyone's really been fascinated by this conversation. You are a magnetic, charismatic, charming, successful man, oh, nice and it's a me. pleasure to be your friend. Cheers, Tony. Yeah, not you too, mate. Thank you so much, mate. Appreciate. It. Wow. I hope you enjoyed that podcast as much as I enjoyed it. There are so many life lessons in that from Tony, who's lived a really rich and full life. And if you follow him on, on, on social media, at Tony Jeffries, like you can see the life he's living. He's traveling the world of his beautiful wife and his gorgeous kids. He gets invited to, to boxing things all around the world. Just last month, he was at the big, big boxing event, Fury vs. Nganu in Saudi Arabia, standing there shoulder to shoulder with Mike Tyson, with George Foreman, with all these legends in the world of boxing. Why? Because when he got, when he had to retire, when he got knocked down, he picked himself back up and created a massively, unbelievably successful business. Tony Jeffries, I'm so proud of you, mate. You're doing so, so well. My main takeaway from that podcast was perspective. And I mentioned a couple of times, he, he, he was giving shit, and he turned it into gold. And he said, no, no, I was given gold. Like having to retire from boxing at 27 years old, that's gold. He saved himself 10 years getting punched in the head. And at 35 years old, he started his YouTube channel. Now at 38, he's a YouTube sensation. Earning loads of money and inspiring people all around the world. I've mentioned this in, in previous podcasts, like when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. And it's kind of contradictory, but it's not really because when you look at things with a positive mindset and outlook, you get positivity back. And the thing is, the biggest like learning thing I took from Tony Jeffries was, I had no idea where my Olympic medal was for the first eight years after the Olympic Games. My mum's house, my nan's house. I used to keep it in a sock under my bed because I wasn't particularly proud of my achievements. Because like I said on the podcast, I was more bitter about what I didn't get, the gold medal, than proud of what I did get in my own journey. And it took me eight years, eight years of seeing my medal and being pissed off or seeing somebody who won a gold medal and being a little bit jealous before I was able to kind of let those feelings go. 
And even now in, in, in 2023, approaching 2024, those emotions often creep up on me. Less now than before, but they are still there. And then it's talking to Tony. He said, mate, you're an Olympian. Mate, we're in such a special club. And it's hearing that, it's hearing those words being reinforced that you think, wow, actually, that no, no, it was a great achievement. And it's all about the way you look at things. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Tony, mate, thank you so much for just helping me, inspiring me to kind of just let go of all the things holding me back. And that's the thing in life. We go through circumstances and situations in life and we cling on to things. We hold on to things. You can't let things go. And someone said to me a long time ago, when you hold on to regrets, you've been chained to your past. You have to break free from the, from the shackles of the past to move forwards. And it sounds so simple, but sometimes you've got to be in the right place in your life to hear these things and let them kind of impregnate into your brain and you take them on. And hearing Tony talk, for me, was the perfect time to hear this guy talk about his life. And it's inspired me. And I hope this podcast has inspired you too. I urge you to send this about and share it to your friends, loved ones, to let, to let them learn from, from Tony Jeffries and then and my story. And like, share, subscribe to the podcast. It really, really helps. And next week, the podcast continues to roll on and I'm staying boxing related. I'm staying Olympic bronze medal related. Next week, I've got the big man, David Price, on the podcast. Another Olympic bronze medal winning boxer, just like Tony Jeffries, just like myself. David Price was held at the great White Hope, the next legend, heavyweight boxing legend from the UK. Thing didn't quite go the way they could have won. And we talk about his whole boxing career, the ups, the downs, the setbacks, and the the tribulations, but we always finish on a happy ending. There's a big happy ending at the end of David Price's podcast. So, with that being said, tune in next week to David Price Getting Back Up podcast. And in life, when you suffer setbacks, it's only one thing to do, and that's get back up. Get back up like Tony Jeffries did and become a superstar in a whole different field if you have to. I'll see you next week. <laughs>